We are TNHoller.com, at the TNHoller on Twitter and Facebook. I'm here with Marquita Bradshaw. Hi, everybody. I'm Marquita Bradshaw, working hard to be your next United States Senator. We're going to do something a little different. Instead of getting right into it with Marquita, we're going to go into a couple of things that are going on in our state. I want you guys to know what's happening. We sent out our emails that we send out on Tuesdays and Fridays. We sent one out this morning. It has a rundown of all the links and videos of everything that's going on in the state. A couple of the things that are in that email, you can go to tnholler.com and hit the subscribe button and you'll get those emails. The first thing I wanted to mention is there was a ruling last night. The judge ripped Secretary of State, Secretary Trey Hargett, a new one saying, shame on you because he and his henchman, Mark Goins, were violating the court order and they were threatened with criminal contempt surrounding the order to let Tennessee vote by mail. All of us vote by mail, not just a few of us. So that was one story. Did you see that one, Marquita? I did. And that judge does not play. She was direct with her words and told them that she would charge them with contempt. She straight up threatened the Secretary of State with <laughs> handcuffs. So That's that the reason is- why we need more women <laughs> in politics. Don't you agree? I completely agree. And it's funny how Many of these lawsuits these people have been losing for a group that considers themselves these constitutional conservatives, they don't seem to really know what's in that constitution. The other thing I wanted people to be aware of was this press conference that Governor Lee had, I believe it was Wednesday, where he was asked about the KKK Grand Wizard bust, KKK Grand Wizard Day, and the Confederate flag that's on the Williamson County seal. He was asked about these things very directly by reporters repeatedly, and he gave some of the weakest answers you will ever find. I can't really think of a reason to be protecting the legacy of a grand wizard other than if you have some sympathies for what they stand for. How about you? How do you feel about that? We have to look at why do these these symbols exist? These were a reminder to a losing faction that lost the war to implement fear, they would rise again to enslave people. And that has no place in our places where we serve people and politics. If you think this is a part of history to preserve, put it in places where we preserve history. In a museum, tell the whole story about American history, how horrific slavery was, and then tell the story of how racism laced through our American fabric because people did not want to let go of a losing faction. They lost the war and it's time to move on. So policy can happen overnight when it comes to racism and it's time for us to move forward. Reese Witherspoon posted this today about Tennessee's own monuments. She said, is this even a conversation at Gov Bill Lee, a statue that honors a KKK founder? We need to get rid of the disgusting symbol of racism and every other marker of white supremacy in the state, the great state of Tennessee deserves better. So while the judge was ripping apart Secretary Trey Hargett, Reese Witherspoon was dressing down Governor Bill Lee. And, you know, I'm not one to necessarily put too much stock in what celebrities say, but it is nice when they weigh in and take note of what's happening in their home states. Another thing that came up with Governor Lee was the Confederate flag on the sim on the seal of Williamson County, which is his home county. He was very silent about that, said, I don't even really know what that's about. I don't know. He's on the commission that will vote about it, but he was silent about it. Even Mississippi, a bipartisan push, they're pushing to remove the Confederate emblem from their state flag. 
Let me ask you this. You were born and raised here. Is that right? Born and raised in Memphis, Tennessee. As a Jew whose grandparents survived the Holocaust, when I see a Nazi symbol, I don't care what Germans say. That's what that means. I, there's no heritage associated with that. Is that what that means to you? It means exactly that. For people in my family who have had interaction with the KKK, it gives them post-traumatic stress just to see those symbols. Those are reminders that we are not welcome. Reminders of a history where people were treated like commodities. And we just have to move forward. Barbara Walker brings up, which I think is a good point, is that these monuments and the flag and all the things that we're talking about, they didn't get put up at that time. They came up during the civil rights movement when they had to remind Black people that they were inferior. It did come up during the Jim Crow era, and we have to actively put that history in place. One of the policies that Governor Lee had was to delete KKK Grand Wizard Day. His bill was supposed to do that, but then he amended his bill this week to change it to make it so that he just doesn't have to sign any proclamations. So now it stopped being about Nathan Bedford Forest Day, and now it's about not forcing Governor Lee to sign anything at all. So that is a much different conversation. He has chickened out. He has retreated. Senator Brenda Gilmore introduced an amendment to change it back, to make it about deleting Grand Wizard Day. How does it make you feel as a Black woman, Marquita, to know that we have a day in Tennessee dedicated to the first Grand Wizard of the KKK? It makes me feel invigorated that we have so many down-ballot candidates that are up for election to be able to go and represent Tennessee as a whole of where we want to go in the future. That's the only answer. If we have elected officials that are not courageous enough to stand up against the Klan and the terrorism that they strike, then they are the wrong people that's leading our state. This is the time right now that we can deal with this and nip it in the bud and move forward to justice for all, for everyone. Uh, I want to address one thing that I'm seeing in the comments from Rick in Tennessee. He says, remove all of those Democrat statues, amen. He says, Jim Crow created and pushed by the Democrats. And here's what I'll say, Rick, you're right. Democrats do have this history, but it's the Democrats who want to remove those things. So maybe ask yourself, did something happen to change the priorities of the parties between 1960s and now? And if you agree that we should remove those statues, and if you agree that Jim Crow is a bad thing, and if you agree that we should leave our white supremacy legacy behind, then you should be supporting the Democrats and what they're trying to do because they are the ones that want to remove it. It's the Republicans that are keeping it there. So this whole gotcha thing about those are Democrats and those are Democrat statues, that doesn't work because the Democrats are the ones that want these things to come down. So you need a different line if that's the line you're pushing. Marquita, you want to address that? Look, the Democratic Party took a turn when Kennedy was elected president. I remember my great grandmother telling me how our house was divided on who was going to vote for the Democratic Party and the Republican Party. And that is when African-Americans start leaning more towards democratic policies. And right now, removing those statues are neither Democrat or Republican. It is an American core principle that everyone has access to life, liberty, and a pursuit of happiness. And for those to remain 
and public spaces where we send our elected officials to work for us is unacceptable. If you like it that much, come get your stuff and go put it in a museum. Absolutely. And just as a last thing, and then I'm going to stop talking to Rick. Uh, he says KKK started by Dan's Rick. You're right. But if you can go find me a member of the KKK that is voting Democrat these days, I will give you $100. They don't exist. So something changed. Figure it out. And this line doesn't work anymore. All right. I hate to break it to you. All right. Moving on. Thank you for your, your thoughts on that. Uh, I just want to let people know that you can get hats on our website, tnholler.com. There's Steve Cohen with one, Representative Steve Cohen out of Memphis, where you're from. And you can also get masks on there. There are some masks, people wearing them. We have stuff that you can get. All right, Marquita, let's talk about your campaign now. Tell me about your campaign. What made you decide to run for Senate? Look, I grew up in a community where was in walking distance from a military landfill that as a result, there was a lot of sickness and death related to the type of chemicals, the weaponized viruses, nuclear weapons, munitions, biological warfare materials that were stored there from 1950 to 1995. I got involved in politics and policy because either we were going to die silently and be victims, or we were going to have to become victors in advocating for justice in our community. And so as we started getting more involved in seeking for transparency and accountability in environmental policy, we realized the racism is not something that just happened with those statues. It goes also how environmental laws are enforced and also how people enter into the criminal justice system, uh, the educational system, and all of these systems that people need in order to have healthy and safe communities. So what made me decide to run was that we had a Washington outsider in an elected seat, United States Senate seat here in the state of Tennessee, who promised a, commi a com communities of working groups that were working to keep nuclear waste out of our residential landfill. He promised us that he would sponsor the legislation in the US Senate and that didn't happen. So we did all the work, communities around the United States to get that legislation through the House of Representatives and it got bottlenecked in the Senate. And after so many years of keep asking our representatives to represent the best interests of our health and safety in Tennessee of keeping nuclear waste out of residential landfills, when I saw that he was retiring, I looked at the field and I was like, who is gonna represent the environmental justice community in Memphis, and not just in Memphis, all across the state of Tennessee. And that's when I was like, look, Marquita, you have to do something with your community again. And so with my community right now, we're on the front lines because we don't want the environment to get put on the back burner. We don't want education equity to get 
on put on the back burner. And we don't want an economy that works for hardworking people to get put on the back burner. And so that is why I'm running. And you can go more, read more on my website, marquitabradshaw.com. All right. Well, that, that's like a good reason. Uh, how has it been? I'm hearing some feedback. I don't know if that's on your end. How has it been to be running in a time like this where you really almost can't go out and campaign? You almost can't knock doors. You're forced to do Zoom interviews and StreamYard interviews like this. Uh, what? How has that changed the landscape? And do you feel like uh, it's helping or, or hurting? Well, because I started early in October of last year, we were able to do a lot of the groundwork. And so I've been able to sit at the table of some of the people in Tennessee and talk about those table table issues that people are worried about. And, and so we had a good foundation before COVID-19 happened. And then we started implementing virtual tools. As a candidate, I was the first one to do a virtual town hall on the Green New Deal. And what's so amazing about it is that it's an opportunity to bring voters across the state in the same space where that would have not been possible before uh, if we would have kept with traditional uh, canvassing and different things like that. And so it's been removing the barriers for people to participate that have access to the digital world. And for those who don't, we've been able to contact them through old fashioned phone calling. And we should be finished by the end of the month of contacting all the voters of the state of Tennessee about this exciting opportunity to have someone that's going to fight for hardworking families to help healthy and safe communities where they live, learn, work, worship, and recreate. What sets you apart from the other candidates that you're running against in the primary? Well, there are several things that sets me apart. I'm not a cookie cutter candidate. I'm a real person that works hard like most of the people across the state of Tennessee. I have experiences that people can relate to. And I started as a grassroots organizer working door to door in my community to educate them about the National Priority Superfund list, which grew into a career where I became an international organizer for labor unions and also nonprofit organizations. So what makes me different from other candidates? I'm not a lawyer. And I believe in the principle of organizing where you serve the people who you represent by listening to them first. And that's exactly how I have led this campaign is listening to people to inform a platform based on their wishes. And so as you see, you should check back to the website frequently. We'll be adding more information based on how we have been communicating with voters across the state of Tennessee. Do you have any thoughts about, it looks like you might be running against Bill Haggerty. Do you have any thoughts about him and what kind of person he seems to be? Cause I do. <laughs> so I'm a, like, I hope this don't come off wrong, 
I hope it does. <laughs> but I'm not running against any candidate. I'm running on the issues that people of Tennessee want represented. And that's what makes me different. I'm running a grassroots campaign that's funded by people who work hard every day, whether it's a school teacher or a housekeeper making minimum wage, making a commitment to give $2 reoccurring each month to make sure that somebody represents her issues in the U.S. Senate. And that's what it's all about, is keeping those people connected to make sure that they are represented with the leadership that can lead them out of crisis to healthy and safe communities. So it's MarquitaBradshaw.com. We will put the site up as a banner. Uh, I want to ask you about a couple of things, if that's all right. Uh, are you a supporter of Medicare for All? We just had this conversation. The long and the short of it, healthcare should not be a commodity. And Medicare for All is a good start. I am experiencing currently the result of a healthcare system that treats Tennesseans poorly. I sought medical help with an 80-20 plan. That means that I was responsible for paying 20% of my medical care. And I was a working mom, a single working mom. And I'm still facing the fallout of what bankruptcy means for an individual when seeking health care. What I would like to see in a system that is so fundamentally patient-centered centered, that the funding allows individuals to seek the health outcomes other than waiting on a group of referrals to say, hey, something is wrong in the system. The funding follows the individual and the health outcome is what is patient-centered. We should be focused on expanding patient services. We need to remove the barriers that limit those patients from having ex exemplary care. No longer can we accept the fact that Tennesseans are by large going bankrupt from medical debt. Our government has yet to expand Medicare, which has left many of us with junk policies that have no real benefits. Originally, the American Affordable Care Act was to fill the gaps between the marketplace and Medicare. But without the expansion, the working poor were left to fend for themselves. Profit has consistently been chosen over people needs. When healthcare is being treated like a commodity. So we can't treat healthcare like a commodity. Healthcare needs to be for everybody and it needs to be patient-centered, focused on the health outcomes and the experiences of patients. I guess, so I, guess I, would, I would just press you on that a little bit. If you were like in there and the Medicare for All proposal was in front of you and there was a push for it, would you be standing against it or would you be on, on that trail? I would be on that trail because that would be a foundation to push towards patient-centered healthcare system. Okay. Well, that's good to hear. Uh, and then I guess the other thing is, which I'm pretty sure I heard you say already, but you are for a Green New Deal. I know that's another big one that comes up. Uh, talk to me about a Green New Deal and, and if you'd support that. I absolutely support the Green New Deal. I actually signed on to a pledge to support the Green New Deal. And it's a, it's a start. 
And it's a working document that we can improve. Tennesseans are sick because Lamar Alexander didn't do the right thing. When I'm Senator, I will advocate hard for the Green New Deal. I was the first candidate to sign it. And whereas other candidates in this race have refused to take the pledge or just coming on board, I have crisscrossed this state time after time, hearing from people who support investments like this with legislation we can use to ensure a robust, robust investment in this state. With respect to jobs and something we all need every day, clean water, I'm committed to the ideas and will ensure that Tennesseans have healthy and safe communities where they can live, learn, work, worship, and recreate. And thank you for asking me about the Green New Deal because we could have clean water in every household, in every school across the state of Tennessee. And that's what's important. And that would bring over 400,000 jobs nationwide. And some of those jobs will be here in Tennessee. And just imagine what could happen if we replace our aging infrastructure and move to a zero waste system where we have a recycle, reuse and upcycle infrastructure that creates more jobs and remove this toxic relationship with the earth of polluting. You can't just throw things away. It's no such thing. Right. We right. need to be stewards and we need to move forward to making sure we have healthy and safe communities and that our children are not drinking lead in their water at schools and at home. I think a couple of things about the Green New Deal. People don't focus enough, in my opinion, on the New Deal part. They always think about the green part. And it just sounds like, you know, environmental, you know, tree hugging stuff in their minds. They, they stop there. But the New Deal is about jobs. It's about the economy. It's about an investment in our infrastructure. It's about so many different things. And then the green part is with a, a slant towards clean energy, a slant towards fresh water and the environment. So I think people stop at the green part. They don't think about the New Deal part. And then the other thing that I want to say about that is just yesterday, we did one of these live streams with a woman named Stephanie Kelton, Professor Kelton. She is a senior economic advisor for Bernie Sanders, one of the top 100 most influential women in finance, according to Barron's. And she believes in a thing called uh, 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 modern monetary theory, which essentially says, and she just wrote a book called The Deficit Myth, which essentially says that the way that we look at deficits and the debt is wrong, that we think of the deficit as a bad thing. But what we don't think about is that when we have a deficit, that means that there's a surplus on the other end of it, meaning we're investing in ourselves. There's money going somewhere. So good deficits are often okay. And when people talk about the Green New Deal and they say we can't afford it, the truth is we can't afford not to do. And that's the bottom line of this whole thing. And mm -hmm. when Marsha Blackburn and the Republicans fearmonger about deficits and the debt, and they talk about how the debt is out of control, that's just their standard thing to shrink government. But the truth is we have been starving our country of investments and living 
uh, of investments in housing, of investments in food, of investments in education, healthcare, all the things that Green New Deal talks about. We have to do something like that. And the line that they push about the deficits and the debt is really at the core of a real problem in our country. And we need to push back against it by changing our associations. So I'm glad to hear that you support those things. Uh, sorry, that was a long-winded way of getting on that tangent. Yeah, look, I could talk about the Green New Deal all day and how it can improve our energy infrastructure, how it can improve our roads, how it can improve our schools, how it can improve education. Because, you know, as these new energies emerge and these new technologies emerge, that means that people are going to need to get retrained and have a just transition from these industries that we are laying to waste because we don't want to move in that way anymore. And so, yes, there's an education component of the Green New Deal that's very important to invest. When do we look at education and funding as necessary, the same as we fund our defense budget? Yeah, well, that's right. And and I see that uh, Muffin Poots, I'm not sure what his actual name is, just said we spent $1.7 to develop the F-35 and it doesn't work. Anytime there's a war, anytime there's a corporate tax cut, we always seem to have the money for that. But anytime it's about something that leads to an investment in poor people or you know minorities or our kids, it always seems like we're out of money. So the bottom line of the deficit myth, which is the book Stephanie wrote, is that it's that we have the money and we need to spend it in the right places. And that's the bottom line. And that's why we need to elect good people to office. And uh, and that's why good people need to start running for office. So I commend you. I ran for Congress. I don't know if you know that uh, in 2018, which was a lot. And so I can't even imagine what running for Senate must be like, although maybe the pandemic is helping make the driving a little bit less a part of it because you can't drive really anywhere. So, you know, there's no events to go to. So that's maybe helpful. But I commend well, you for stepping up. As as um, the national events around George Floyd has pretty much started the driving back up again because people want to have a leader that's going to speak around dealing with the systematic racism that not only exists in the police department, but also the criminal justice department and throughout. And I am the only candidate that has come into this political structure because of racism. It was racism that allowed a military landfill to be in a residential neighborhood without health care. So to put pollution in a neighborhood without a healthcare facility to deal with environmental and induced diseases is cruel and is not the kind of America we want. And so that's the reason why I've been on the front line dealing with fighting for healthcare for over 20 years, fighting for environmental justice for over 20 years. And in the past led organizations around police accountability. And so we are vested in making sure that we have leaders up and down the ballot that are coming to serve all of Tennesseans, including black people. 
and policy, not just on a city level, but on a state level, and also in the United States Senate. Business as usual is over with. And this is the time where we forge our path past this crossroad to finally lay racism to death. I think that's a pretty good place to leave it. Marquita, thank you for joining us today. It's MarquitaBradshaw.com is where you can find it. This was Marquita Bradshaw. I hope you got to know her a little bit. Go to TNHoller.com and subscribe to our emails again, and you will be able to find the audio of this podcast if you miss anything of this Facebook Live on our iTunes podcast feed. That's the Tennessee Holler podcast. TNHoller.com, MarquitaBradshaw.com, at the TN Holler, and she's at Bradshaw2020 on Twitter. Marquita, thank you very much. Thank you so much, Justin, for having me. And thank you, everybody, for, for such great questions. Tennessee. 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 Tennessee.